Hi, and welcome to the Big 5D Podcast. I'm Charles Laughlin. I'm the content director for Big 5 Digital, which is the producer of this podcast. Welcome. So today, we're having the second in our series of interviews from our recent uh, Big 5 Small Business FinTech Summit. So today's guest is Brett White, who is the CEO of Zapper, which is a South African company that does contactless payments, both in-store and online. Brett will tell us a little bit more about what that's all about. We talked about a number of things in the podcast or in the interview that was originally aired at the summit and we're converting into a podcast. So, you know, we cover sort of the state of small business in South Africa, you know, as the uh, pandemic is hopefully winding down. Um, we talk a lot about innovation and what that means at Zapper. And we also had a conversation about what's what's coming up ahead in terms of technologies that companies like Zapper need to adapt to, uh, everything from blockchain to uh, biometrics and other things. So that's an interesting conversation. Brett's an interesting guy. He's been CEO of Zapper since August of 2019. He actually joined the company as a developer in 2015, kind of worked his way up through the ranks in the product area largely uh, until he became CEO. So he's uh, kind of worked on almost every level of the company in his uh, five or so years there. So at any rate, um, we'll get to the uh, interview in just a moment. I want to cover a couple things, new new things with Big Five. We actually have recently launched a, sub, a newsletter on Substack. We've been producing a newsletter, uh, which we've been sending out through an email platform. We'll still be communicating via email, but we wanted to use the Substack platform because there's a lot of great publishing features. We're going to produce a lot of content there. So stay tuned for more on that. But uh, you can find us at Substack if you just Google, uh, enter Big Five into the search or Big Five Digital into the search bar. And we'll be pushing that out through our email marketing channels, also sharing it on all of our social channels. We'll be publishing at least once a week. I'm hoping it'll be a lot more than that. And we're all the podcast is available there, as well as throughout the channels that already exist through, you know, the usual Spotify, Apple podcasts, and so on. Uh, so keep an eye on for that. We also have some event news. We're, uh, again, we're going to be doing a Another virtual event, this one focused on e-commerce, uh, tentatively on July 13th. We'll have some more formal announcements in the next week or so, uh, but stay tuned for that. And also, we're looking way ahead into 2022. Our current assessment, we feel pretty comfortable uh, returning to live events in Q2 of 2022. So we have tentatively booked the dates of May 16th through the 18th in Cape Town. For the Big Five Summit, that's a live event, real people in real places, uh, back to Cape Town after our great inaugural event in 2019. We've had to take a long pause, as uh, you all know, and no need to explain why, but we're really excited about coming back next year. So we'll be communicating a lot more about that uh, in the weeks and months ahead. At any rate, that's just some quick update on what's going on with Big Five. So please enjoy the interview with Brett White. Thanks. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We have Brett White with us now, who's CEO of Zapper. And Brett, welcome to the uh, virtual summit. Hi, Charles. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we're excited to have you. So uh, I guess always a good way to start, just briefly, I think a lot of companies, a lot of our audience, I should say, have heard of Zapper. So why don't you just, for those who haven't or aren't familiar, give us the one-minute um, you know, elevator tour of, uh, of Zapper. 
Sure, thank you. I'll try and keep it uh, short and concise. So Zapper is a contactless payments and loyalty platform. Effectively, that's that's it in a nutshell. Um, we are an omni-channel solution, so we work both online and in-store, uh, you know, for anything from a market vendor all the way through to a tier one retailer or an e-commerce vendor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are integrated into multiple systems from, you know, payment gateways to parking systems to billing systems to, uh, you know, you can have a static stand printed on a QR code or printed on a receipt in restaurants, point of sale systems, you name it. Um, you know, we've got quite a broad sort of spectrum of integrations. And, you know, our value proposition is to try and, uh, you know, provide merchants a high value transaction, give them a little bit more insights into their consumers and, and how they spend and how they interact with the merchants and then give the, the consumer a easy, frictionless and rewarding payments experience. Okay, just to clarify, uh, what does the consumer have to do to become a Zapper, uh, a user of your, of your solution? So we've got two models. So the 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 the, the the basic one or the most common one is, 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 is a user just has to go to the app store, whether they're on an iPhone, an Android phone, or on a Huawei device, they can go to the relevant app stores, download the app, uh, register, which is very straightforward. It's just name, uh, mobile number and email address and uh, load a card, a load of payment instruments, and then they can start to transact against uh, Zapper merchants. Okay. Pretty straightforward, like most. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you you work with merchants across both online only as well as uh, you know, retailers, physical retailers, etc. Um, mm-hmm. Could you just give us a sort of state of play with how your customers are doing in the sort of? I realize we're still in the thick of it with COVID, but light at the end of the tunnel, but uh, <laughs> still happening. So, kind of give us the state of play there. Yeah, look, look, the state of play is it's recovering nicely. Um, you know, the the early, you know, deepest, darkest stages of of load sh- of uh, not load shedding. I mean, that's also a problem, but uh, of <laughs> that's another issue of lockdown, <laughs> yeah. of lockdown yeah. in, in levels five and four. I mean, those were those are pretty pretty dark days. Uh, mm-hmm. Excuse the pun. Um, you know, a lot of our merchant base is, is uh, small sort of SME type merchants. They've got coffee shops and restaurants and those guys were impacted hard. You know, we've got other merchants on our system that are, you know, online. So we, we still had transactions coming through and it was never, you know, we didn't drop to any catastrophic levels. But, you know, we lost quite a lot of volume as a result of those those merchants being shut down during that period. And obviously, you know, the subsequent lockdown levels that we've had over the last couple of months where, you know, alcohol bans, et cetera, have kicked in and restaurants had curfews, um, that obviously had a very real impact on our transaction volumes. We've also got a lot of corporates that are that offer Zapper as a transaction method in their canteens, et cetera, where they give their staff lunch vouchering through our platform. Those volumes fell off as well because, you know, a lot of companies aren't working in their offices. But what we're seeing is, um, you know, we're almost at the volumes that we were at pre-lockdown. Um, you know, it's it's starting to climb rapidly week on week, which is which is really good news. So you mentioned something just a second ago that is, is interesting, and we don't, don't want to dwell on this too much, but I'm curious the, the office canteen and and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I get the impression that's not a major piece of your business, but it's a piece of your business. What do you think is going uh, going to happen with that long term? Do you feel that? You know, the office, are we are we over with the, uh, you know, marching into a, a multi-story office building to sit at long uh, banks of tables? Is that done with or is that just a temporary pause? And, and how do you think about that? 
Yeah, look, I, I think there's two schools of thought around that. Yeah. You know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts that talk about the same topic. You know, is mm-hmm. it is it the fully remote workforce or are people is this just like a sort of temporary measure? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of in between. I think that the the model moving forward will be more of a hybrid approach to whether you work in the office or whether you work at home. And I think that there'll be a lot of businesses that kind of adopt a you know, some days of the week, you'll want you in the office, but during core hours, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, the beauty of the product that I mentioned is that we basically provide, uh, re- uh, sort of call it uh, corporate customers, the ability to give their staff um, vouchering, which can be used in an internal canteen. Uh, so in other words, they cap them with a certain allowance on a daily basis for them to be able to transact and get their their, their meals during the day. Um, but that can also be ring fenced to other merchants in, in and around uh, you sort of where they live. So in other words, they can still offer their staff the ability to get the benefit of discounts on lunch, etc. cetera, um, even if they are working at home uh, yeah, through okay, our platform. Okay. So, sense. you know, we're, yeah, we're hoping that there will way. be this hybrid <laughs> approach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, all right. So, so, one of the things that came out of COVID is I think it forced innovation. I mean, you're, you always want to be innovating in good and bad times, right? But COVID certainly forced a lot of innovation, um, and, and which sort of leads to the question, and, you know, the, the, a company like yours, I know your company prides itself on innovation. Any company in your space has to be innovative. Mm. So, so talk about if you could think of one or two uh, examples of things Zapper has done, uh, either recently or, or over the years that uh, kind of illustrates how you innovate. Sure. Well, look, <clears throat> excuse me. One of, one of the things that we did uh, when, when the first sort of levels of lockdown kicked in and we had merchants that were very badly affected by the fact that they, they couldn't operate. Um, we, we set about trying to innovate as quickly as we could to introduce a, the ability for consumers to either donate to those to the to their favorite restaurants or merchants in the area or buy vouchers that they could then utilize at a later stage at that merchant but allowing the merchant to continue to get a bit of cash flow during that period um, we launched a campaign called save your fave but basically we, we already had the ability to you know push vouchers to consumers and we had the ability for them to earn loyalty automatically as part of their transaction process uh, what we didn't have was the ability for for consumers to donate to those merchants directly and, uh, you know, by just finding them in the app and tapping donate, entering an amount that they wanted to pay and then pay, and then the ability to, to off, uh, you know, request the purchase of a voucher into the amount that they wanted to purchase, and then a voucher would be issued to them. Um, so that, that model worked really well, and, and I think that little bit of innovation at least helped a lot of merchants through that through that tough time. Um, mm. So that was one thing that we did, um, but that was obviously for a very specific phase, right? right. Um, what what we've done, you know, outside of that is, you know, trying to. I think one example that I that I think really jumps to mind is um, we we released an article on it fairly recently, but it's it's basically an innovation that we introduced to uh, mitigate the need for a QR code to be digitally rendered in real time. So in, in QR payments, you get predominantly static QR codes, uh, which are sort of pre-populated with merchant credentials. All the consumer does is they scan it, they enter the amount that the merchant wants to get paid, and then they pay. So there's a, there's an, there's a consumer interaction there where the consumer has to enter the amount. Dynamic QR codes are rendered in real time, and they have the merchant particulars inside plus the amount that the, that the consumer needs to spend. So that's pre-populated from a consumer perspective. 
What we introduced was a way for a merchant to have a static code that behaves in the way that a dynamic code would. So in other words, at a point of sale where it's expensive to roll out a consumer facing screen or update software on a pin entry device or, um, you know, change the user flow of printing a receipt with a QR code owned before payment, which is not the typical flow within a retail setting. We were faced with the problem of how do we overcome the expense of rolling out digital displays across an entire retailer's network versus um, you know having a static code that then allows the the consumer when they scan it to get the dynamically populated amount, and that was an innovation that we introduced where the point of sale is integrated with the system. At the point of ringing up a basket and they press subtotal or total, it doesn't then push a QR code to a screen or to a printer. It pushes it to a cloud. Zapper mm. scans it and it pulls that amount by, by virtue of the, of the QR code that's allocated to that pause. That's a, a patented solution that Zapper um, introduced. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's like an innovation that, that I can speak to that I think. Yeah, no, really that's well. the, so, so in a way, so the, it behaved dynamically, but it was all sort of behind the scenes or in the cloud behind. But they had one simple, in this most cases, it was a printed QR code that the reader would picture at at the point of sale okay yeah so okay that's yeah. really cool yeah so how did that um what was the business outcome for you for that did that create more opportunities for shops to adopt your service how did that how did zapper yeah. how did that uh, what was the outcome for zapper for that okay so i can speak to the to the to the first use case of mm-hmm. that where where we had um, it was a big south african retailer who wanted access to be able to offer zapper as a payment method across all their stores but mm-hmm. you know there was the the capex issue of investing in customer facing screens if they wanted to dynamically represent or present a QR code on every basket that gets rung up mm-hmm. or you know print a QR code on a receipt but in a in a retail checkout you know that that uh, receipt is printed after the payment not before the payment so it's a bit of an awkward um, process flow you know in a restaurant setting where the receipt is printed before you pay um, it's perfect. It makes a lot of sense to have the QR code on the bottom of the bill. But mm-hmm. so, you know, the, the the reality was we were at a stalemate. We couldn't move forward on the project because, you know, the retailer wasn't wasn't uh, didn't have the the interest in 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 that sort of capital outlay um, to put screens in. And Zappa was was not in a position to to foot that bill either. Mm-hmm. You know, to pay the bill to because you know making that money back would you know I don't think it was possible. So we had to we had to come up with a solution that was uh you know feasible in that environment and and this solution really unlocked that for us i think um based on the initial estimates around what the solution would have cost and what we actually rolled out at i think we came out at something like 15 percent of the original of the original estimation of what the cost of integration and rollout would have been across that entire merchant footprint so that's every lane of every store nationwide um, mm. which was a, a lot of lanes. Um, so we, we, we slashed the prices massively uh, just through that one innovation. Okay, okay, that's great. So let's move a little bigger picture now. Um, a couple of things. <laughs> one thing that is sort of interesting from the, the period we've been through is this notion that, um, and maybe touches on what you were just talking about a little bit, this notion of accelerated adoption of technology as a result of what we've just been through. Um, have you seen this with your own eyes and with your own customer base? And wh- how would you describe the, the acceleration that's happened among small business in terms of adopting technologies across the spectrum? But certainly you can speak to the payment side of that. Mm-hmm. Have we experienced that in, in South Africa and in the markets you operated in? 
Yes, I think so. I think, you know, what COVID has done in multiple ways is kind mm-hmm. of uh, pushed a lot of technologies forward by at least a few years. You know, you think of, um, you know, who was Zoom at the beginning of 2020? Um, right. You know, uh, we're on it now, but, you know, was was it was it the product that it is today? And Teams, you know, Microsoft yeah. Teams is another one. You know, if, if, we're, if we're not talking about payments, those have just leapt forward, right? And in the payment space, a lot of merchants have had to pivot to have had to pivot towards a sort of online uh, model. Hopefully, you know some of them have gone to click and collect or delivery mm-hmm. services. They've had to introduce a new way of doing business in order to survive and you know cater to the restrictions and to you know consumer behaviour. Uh, as a result of the restriction, so um, yeah, I think there's been a lot of innovation around that. I mean, obviously, you know, new technologies and, and access to, you know, cheaper devices, access to to data, um, you know, all of those things play into mm-hmm. consumer adoption of new technologies. So yeah, I think I think the the world that we're living in and 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 everything that's happened over the last eighteen months is certainly well. How long has it been? Twelve months. Um, has, has really. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like three years, but you know, it it's definitely pushed things along. Okay, okay, that's fair. So, uh, looking forward, um, sort of as you look down the road and what you you know what Zapper has to prepare itself for in terms of technologies coming on online in, in the future, what do you look at as the 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 trends in the future that you have to take seriously and, and sort of innovate around. And these could be, you know, across the, the spectrum in terms of consumer technologies, networks, uh, you know, shift to, you know, blockchain or whatever it is. What things do you think, okay, this is how the world's going to change and here's how we have to adapt to it. You know, the, the, you know there's, there's a lot, but I think, mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, technologies in general, I think we're moving, you know, the world has shifted mostly to mobile devices, but obviously that's even taking, you know, on new forms in terms of people being able to facilitate payments off of their watches. Um, you know, I think technologies such as facial recognition and, and, and biometrics are going to leapfrog having a device that still needs to be connected to, uh, you know, a system. It needs to be online, plus it needs to, um, you know, I have battery, um, you know, that that's another uh, issue, you know, your device needs to be charged, etc. Um, you know, I think long term, we're going to be in a space where a lot of those sort of biometrics type technologies are going to going to take over in terms of how people transact and, and purchase things in the interim, however, I mean, for the for the foreseeable future, the next five years, I would say, um, you know, we're in a space of mobile payments being a predominant way of people moving forward or that's where there's going to be a lot of innovation. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of innovation around, you know, payment uh, instruments themselves in terms of the rails over which people make payments. I think, you know, things like blockchain, uh, open banking, instant EFT, all those types of solutions are being introduced because, you know, people are challenging the status quo in terms of the, the, the incumbent or the, the standard rails in which people process transactions right now. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to introduce ways that money can move quicker. They, it can be mm-hmm. easier on the consumer, easier on the merchant and lower cost. Mm-hmm. So I think there's going to be a lot of innovation around that space. And then really where, you know, fintechs are going to participate in that space moving forward is to try and add a value proposition in that space. You know, what is it that this differentiates your, mm-hmm. your solution from another, you know, outside of the, you know, the standard payment that, that basically any entity can facilitate. Okay. Okay. So in terms of the competitive field looking ahead, um, how do you see, I mean, the technology has probably influenced this in a lot of ways, but 
you know, there's there's the banks, there's the the you know the neo banks, and and all, you know all the new fintechs coming on board. Is that a, a you know how does that evolve in terms of you know who's winning, who's losing? You know, is there going to be a massive disruption in terms of who the players are, or is that in the near term, or is that a more of a longer term process? Look, I think that the. I, I, the banks are going to be necessary and the, and the banks are always in a, or they are trying to keep up. And if they, if they, if they, I think that the, the fintechs are, are absolutely necessary and constantly pushing the limits of what the systems allow. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's regulation and there's limitations in terms of what the systems um, allow for. And the fintechs are always going to push those limits to do exactly those things that I, lim- I listed earlier in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, introducing more consumer friendly payment flows, introducing more value to the merchant, making it quicker, easier, frictionless, uh, lower cost, you know, all those things are going to constantly be pushed, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And the reality is a lot of the bigger entities move slower. So they're going to struggle in that space. So I think mm-hmm. the fintechs are always going to be necessary and required in that space and i think that there will obviously be a lot of opportunity for those fintechs to supplement and work with those bigger entities um to provide them the capability that they so so desire so i think there will always be a symbiotic sort of relationship there um and you know even what we've seen over the last couple of months around uh some of the schemes uh, starting to introduce Reduce the ability to at least flirting with the idea of supporting crypto in some way or, or shape or form. Um, some of the banks are talking about it as well, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a couple of months ago, they would have been very uh, frowned upon. I don't think that they would, that would have been well supported. I think, you know, what Elon Musk has done recently with buying a whole lot of Bitcoin has certainly lit a fire under that, that, that mm-hmm. um, sort of topic. But, uh, you know, I think to answer your question, I think that there's definitely space for, for all players or all parties to play in the market, but it's you know the, the the fintechs are always going to be those guys that are pushing pushing the limitations of what the existing systems allow for, mm-hmm. um, which you know it's a, it's a it's a it's an uphill climb. It's always very very difficult to kind of go against the flow of you know what are standard uh, sort of regulatory frameworks that you need to kind of play within. But you know through the the ability to try and mix and match certain protocols and the way things are done. To, to come up with new innovative ways of doing things. I think that that's, that's going to continue to be valuable, absolutely. Okay. Well, let's end on this note. What's, um, what's next for Zapper? I mean, one thing I've been seeing is sort of a conversation around, you know, should, should, is it geographic expansion versus sort of expanding your, your footprint or your stack? Um, mm. And I don't know that those are necessarily mutually exclusive, but I think those are two paths. Um, you know, it's a matter of emphasis, I guess. And, so talk mm-hmm. about where you know oh, just for a couple of minutes where, where what you're looking what's your what's next for you at least that you can talk about that's always um, the, the caveat right <laughs> <laughs> yeah what i can talk about look i can yeah. talk about it at a high level i think mm-hmm. i think you've you've hit the nail on the head and and i don't think that they're mutually exclusive mm-hmm. to answer your question um you know zapper zapper was traditionally a b2c and b2b offering in other words we were providing a product directly to con- consumers and we were providing a, a product directly to merchants so we were giving consumers an easy way to make payments and earn rewards and and, and get discounts etc and we were giving merchants the ability to accept payments quickly mm-hmm. and easily in a multi omni-channel kind of uh, way and giving them insights and a way to incentivize consumer spend so that, that was our, our, our traditional model what we've done over the last years is built out our platform which is our b2b2c sort of platform as a service uh, offering which is basically allowing 
third-party networks to integrate with Zappos so that they can create their own uh, QR acquiring network. And we've given third-party apps the ability to integrate Zappos services so that they can create a third-party issuing network. Now, that that model is working really well for us, mm -hmm. and it's we're getting a lot of growth, especially with South Africa's kind of push towards being a more uh, interoperable network, you know, trying to trying to reduce the number of QR codes that are in the market, giving the consumer the choice as to which app they want to use to, to pay, excuse me, um, you know, that that model is working really well. And we want to replicate that, you know, in other markets as well. So we kind of want to expand that footprint and, 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 and grow. I think, you know, the South African market is, is great. And we want to uh, be successful here, but we definitely have aspirations of, of expanding that footprint. Great. Okay. Well, we're out of time. Unfortunately, we'll have to end it there. <clears throat> Brett, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it and uh, stay safe. Yo, thank you very much for having me and you great. stay safe too. Right. Cheers. Thanks.